the man who knows what it takes to get a player to world number one. Coach Roger Rashid was a key member of our ABC tennis coverage. I thoroughly enjoyed his insights and analysis. He's been good enough to join us on Summer Grandstand. Uh, Roger, welcome. Thanks again for your time. Matt, no worries, mate, and uh, thanks for having me on. A magnificent comeback for a first-timer. I mean, when we think back to great Australian Open finals, which live in my memory, I'm sort of thinking Roger and Rafa in 2009, lasting more than four hours before Nadal prevailed in five sets. Novak and Rafa, which went for six hours in 2022, and Djokovic had match point. And then you can't go past Rafael Nadal fighting back against Daniel Medvedev in, in 2022. It sort of felt fitting that a men's tournament that was defined by matches that went to five sets, 35 in total, equaling the open record back in 1983, that we went the, the distance in the finale as well. Where did it sit in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think for just for a whole host of reasons, but just but just from match perspectives, if you, if you look at the men's, uh, if we're looking at the men's side first, I mean, yes, the, the amount of five-set matches we had throughout the course of the two weeks, uh, the way they ebbed and flowed, um, you know, certain sets, certain moments in matches. And it's, you know, it's interesting people talk about, you know, they'll go for three and a half, four hours, some longer. That's a long time. But when you're engaged and you're sitting there watching, you sort of get taken on the journey of the roller coaster ride that the players are going on, you know, if you're supporting one or the other and even if you're not. So, um, you know, because there are always these little the, these little shifts, power shifts throughout the course of a match. And, and if you don't have a power shift, well, you've just got one titanic battle where it's just a matter of points and uh when we got to that you know you mentioned the the, the guys that you mentioned there they're our all-time greats and they already had a long a long history of uh major wins uh so they've got all the credit in the bank mentally they've been there they, they know what it takes uh, know what it looks like to navigate their way through against each other um in big moments but you know when we take ourselves to the you know to the men's final uh, and obviously seeing what Medvedev has done to get there, but just took ourselves to the men's final for someone like Yannick uh, at, at two, let's not say his age, because the other guys, you know, you look at Rafa and, and Carlos Alcaraz and, and Roger and those guys, you know, they were doing stuff um, at this age. Uh, they, you know, just for him to navigate, though, his first major final and be two sets to love down. And, you know, there was a, there was a lot of uh, uncomfortable sitting down in, uh, on, in his side of the, you know, in his bench, there's no, you know, his coach's box, there's no doubt about that. Everyone in there would have been a little, little uncomfortable, but for him to quietly navigate his way through, stay the course in that third set, keep your head of the count and then find a way to win for your first major. That's about as good a, it's probably about as, <clears throat> as good as it gets without mm. playing this pure, you know, three sets where you're untouchable. But I just think the emotions of it, everything that you could have gained from that five sets, Matt, was um, that's just, that's that can only help you moving forward because you've been behind, you've had to sit in that emotionally, you've had to navigate that, <coughs> excuse me, and then you had to work your way back through the match and then find the right winning combination at the end. Um, and so to do all that in that, in that one five set match, um, I think that's going to be quite telling for Yannick and his and his career moving forward. And so much of the lead-up to this year's Australian Open was, can anyone beat Novak Djokovic? He's been so dominant here at Melbourne Park. Well, it was Yannick Sinner who was able to do so. So what do you think he'll take out of that match, the final against Medvedev, which he can, I guess, use for the rest of his career now? Yeah, I think his team and and, and, and Yannick personally, I mean, you've got to look at their upbringings as well. And so you look, you know, he spoke about his family, how they didn't pressure him. So there was no at all to play to play tennis, to play the sport, uh, just go out there. So he's got this laid-back, calming uh, 
approach to the game. Uh, yes, he's very hungry. Yes, he's very competitive. He was always talented. Uh, you know, there's been a lot. You know, obviously a lot of already discussion around how talented he was in any sport, really. So uh, that really served its purpose. You know, when you when you look at someone's upbringing, you can really serve its purpose in certain matches. And so I think what Yannick now has is he's got a he's you know I keep talking I think over the two weeks on 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 our coverage was you know the ability to build your belief system uh, whether they're at individual matches or at certain times in your career and um, you know he's he's been able to add to that belief system now that he can walk out onto court in a five set match regardless of the opponent regardless of the position and still feel like he can find a way to win if he can stay calm enough and and trust himself and so um, and that was and I think that's the biggest thing to know that he's He's now a major winner, puts that aside, um, and, and he actually has those tools to actually work his way through his matches now. In, in some three-set matches, though, Matt, you might not have the time. You know, it's, it's an, you know someone might run hot for an, for an hour and you're already a set and a breakdown and you might not be able to, you know, just might be not long enough. But in, in a five-set tennis match, uh, there's, there's a lot of time, even when you're two yeah. sets of love down. If you can just stay ahead, you grab the third, all of a sudden it's, there's another hour of tennis to be played. And uh, so I think, and, you know, from his team's perspective, you know, it's given them a bit of belief of where they're going, uh, the work they're doing as well. You always like to get some recognition for the work you're doing, even though they were getting paid back uh, towards the back end of last year. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and, then, and then also, you know, in the locker room, it's different now for him. Uh, because, you know, he'll walk on court and he becomes a harder proposition for most players. Um, and then it's just a matter of whether he can stay, uh, you know, whether he can stay true to himself now with, in actually, you know, just staying level-headed, which I think he's got a great character for. He's got a great team around him for that as well. So just, just to, and it's great for the game. I think the game needed a fresh winner. Yes, we've had Alcaraz. Um, it would have been just as important you know it would have been just as great if Medvedev had won that just for the for his journey through that whole seven matches uh, but I think it's great for the game that we've got another major winner the voice of Roger Rashid who's looking back at the Australian Open for 2024 with you on summer grandstand so watching the the opening couple of sets from Daniil Medvedev what sort of caught your eye watching that he, he spoke with Jim Curry about how far back he can play to try and play mm. the return and yet he's up on the baseline for the final he, he served incredibly well in that first set and it felt like he came out with a mindset of I played a lot of five setters. I've got to be attacking right from the outset. Yeah, look, I, I think so. There's no doubt about that. He's he's a smart. He's one of the smartest tennis brains, um, you know, on the tour by by a long shot. His IQ on the court, you know, these adjustments to make throughout courses of matches are extraordinary. Um, I, I love watching him play. I love watching him speak afterwards because there's always a message in there. Um, you know, he hasn't always been a fan favourite, but I, I do think, and, and, you know, you saw him over the last two, over that two-week period that, uh, you know, the fans do gravitate towards him now because he he's talking more, he's, too, he's showing his character more and, uh, and, and in the way he engages as well. So I think what I did love is the fact that he was, there's not many players that could honestly change their game style dramatically to give themselves the opportunity against an opponent which they thought they needed to make a shift. So most people are very stubborn, especially at the pointy end of the sport, because it's, you know, they're, he's, he was number one in the world for a reason, a major champion for a reason, and he's been into major finals, um, you know, numerous enough amount of times to, to be stubborn enough to say, my game's good enough. And he knew that, but he knew he had to have some shifts early and try and put it and try and rattle the cage of a, a person who was walking on uh, for the first time in that space. So, so I think the fact that he did that, he's able to. It showed his talent to be able to apply it. He generally likes room between himself and the opponent uh, to give himself time to play. But this time, he took away the time and took away the baseline and decided to you know to to control the territory game and. 
uh, that was the beauty around that 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 matchup. To think he could go out there, do that, and execute, and he's two sets love up, and and then in a really in a position where you know you just thought you'll you know you didn't know whether Yannick was able to going to respond, um, and then you know I think there was a five. It was he was five one up in the third. He lost his serve. You know he lost the serve at five two. I think, and then and then there was a little bit of hope for Yannick. There had been a little shift, but still. Um, oh, sorry, in the second set, but uh, but still, there had to be some work, you know, a lot of work done. And uh, yeah, I just thought there was a time thing after that, Matt. We, mm. you know, we obviously we saw that it was um, the fourth set was the critical one. Um, people said, "Oh, he was tiring." Well, he was four all. He was love thirty on Yannick's serve. I don't know if you remember the moment. Yeah, and, yeah. And and they were in a they were in a extended rally. Now, if we pause the tape right there. And we and we predicted what the outcomes were going to be at that point. We'd probably think, oh, this is going to be love forty because you've got Medvedev who didn't need to hit a winner at that time. He could have just played it. He was trying to play solid just through the big parts of the court. And there's Yannick up the other end going, I'm in trouble. I'm love thirty. I need this point. If I play too safe, I might get beaten. So do I risk something and play a low percentage shot? Well. Unfortunately, if we, if we turn the tape back on, Medvedev mishits a ball and, and, and frames one that goes wide and it's all of a sudden 15.30 on Yannick's serve. Now, the odds suggest that you'll probably hold out at 15.30. Um, most players with good serves, good games, hold out from that point. Um, he did that and stayed the course and, and won the fourth and the fifth was, you know, the fifth was, you know, all Yannick really. We saw, we saw him free up. We saw him take control of the baseline again. Uh, we saw his aggressive nature of the, his ball striking, the speed of his forehand accelerated as well, and all his weapons came to the front. and And it was it was actually amazing to see a free flowing finish. And what a great way to finish uh, on your first major and um, by hitting that winner, but also on the other side of the court. Um, you know, he'd be proud, but highly disappointed. You couldn't not be very disappointed with the fact that that didn't, you know, that wasn't in your. Um, that what you weren't carrying the, that trophy, the Norman Brooks Challenge Cup on the plane, and um, yeah, so was, you, know, you feel for him, don't you? Because mm. I think he just gave—I think he just gave his all, didn't he? Yeah, and that—that's that, what we love in in Australian sport. Go out there, give your all, see what happens. Well, he's only 27 years of age, Daniel Medvedev. But when you think he played six more hours than a guy who's five years younger, who only dropped one set, and that was against Novak Djokovic. And Medvedev, and Matt, and Matt can I can I talk to you about the six hours? Yeah. So people say, oh, you know, you, you could you could break that in the you could break that right across the the two weeks and go, well, that's not too bad. You know, it's an hour a match. Some of them it depends on what the matches were like. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of you know, as you know, there's a lot of downtime in tennis, but there. It's, it's all the explosive movement that we do. So in that six hours, the amount of explosive movement a tennis player does in that time frame um, is enormous. And, and that's where the fatigue ends up coming, coming and biting you because once you lose that ability to explode off the mark um, in our game, especially at the top end against someone like Yannick who hits the ball big and heavy and fast, uh, you're then a fraction late to every shot. You you can't you can't get on the front foot as much. You're more you're a bit of a defender instead of an attacker. Um, so it's it changes the the game style that you have to play so dramatically at the back end of those five sets. And uh, you know Yannick was uh, was able to, re- to get rewarded there at the back end. Yeah, and Daniel Medvedev often wears his heart on his sleeve, but it felt like given the physical exertion which both players were uh, were displaying, that there wasn't too much mm. left in the tank. Uh, Roger yeah. Rashid's with you on Summer Grandstand. You get to watch Yannick Sinner a little bit closer than what we do year in, year out. So what do you feel like has been the biggest impact in which Darren Cahill, an Australian, has brought to his game to take him to this next level? Yeah, look, I think, you know, anyone in the tennis fraternity knows that, you know, we're, 
you know, Yannick's been there. You know, he's he's been in the top ten. It's not like he's just turned up. Um, but but he's you know, so he was just a product that was evolving. Uh, his game was developing. He was obviously having to fight, you know, get to different levels, and then obviously at different his different competitors. He was trying to work out ways to beat. Uh, beat them and stay relevant. Obviously, he was, you know, he wasn't too far off off Novak at, at Wimbledon uh, not long ago as well. So we we just, you know, he he's there and about. But what Darren's brought, um, first of all, for Yannick to go and seek Darren was a smart move because you can, you know, there's only there's only certain amount of years that you can potentially, depending on the the development pathway where that where you've got them from, um, that you know the voice stays relevant and it stays um, edgy for the player. So. Um, and he had a lot of good work beforehand, but to source someone out like Darren, he comes in with, a, he's he's a calming influence, so he's quite calm. He's got this beautiful, um, he's got this beautiful nature of of uh, knowing what it takes, you know, to get to get a player to a to the top to also win majors. You know, when you're in there, so he's he's had him with the with the greats, um, and he actually gave Yannick uh, the belief that there's no reason why it's not you now. Um, yes, we're going to have to do a few things. We've made a few shifts. His, his serves got better. His second serves got better. Uh, his ball striking's a little bigger. You know, he's, he's he's going after the ball and changing direction of the ball a lot more often than he than he ever was. Um, and and so and then the final part is that he's he's really worked hard with Yannick to when things aren't well or you're not feeling great or you're having a mental moment where there's a bit of doubt or you're frustrated that you must roll your sleeves up and stay the course. You can't let that moment linger and you've got to get on with, you've got to stay and, and stay and stay in the moment. And um, it's a really powerful one because, you know, there, there was a time there where Yannick probably spent a bit of time not in the moment and actually sort of, re, you know, reflecting on something that wasn't working. And, mm. um, and so whether it's physical, um, and also when there's been a f- bit of physical fatigue. So that's, be- that's been the, you know, the other, the big thing is looking after your body, getting that into condition where you can play seven, five set matches, uh, which is really important as well, because then you believe in your body and believe in what you're doing. So, and when you, when you've got all that together and you've got someone who calmly can lead a group through that, it's amazing what happens on the court um, and things can just open up. So it, I, I guess it just shows that the importance of, of your coaching group and getting that right um, and and investing in it. And I, I think we don't, there's a lot of players on both sides, men's, men and females that don't invest in the leadership of their team. Um, and it, it tends to put them in, you know, to, it keeps them idling versus actually making really sort of aggressive inroads. He'll always be popular now amongst the Australian fans. Yannick Sinner having won his first Grand Slam in Melbourne. Uh, if we have a quick look on the women's side, Roger Rashid is with you on Summer Grandstand. Arena Sabalenka has had a, a perfect couple of years here at Melbourne Park. She simply played lights out tennis, really, and prevailed against Chinwen Jen. And, uh, well, she didn't drop a set. And in the final, it was just uh, her power on display and her ability to be able to get over any mental demons in which she'd had in the past. Yeah, how good was she? Um, and I think we've all, you know, we, we love her because she does wear, uh, you know, you talked you talk about Medvedev wearing his heart on his sleeve, so too does Sabalenka. Uh, she tells you what she feels, uh, doesn't always express it, you know, it's not a native tongue, but we we know where she's coming from and we can feel her pain at times. And we sat through the couple of years ago when she had the yips on her second serve and we sat through that really awkwardly watching someone get through that. Um, and it was would have been, you know, I mean, put yourselves out there. Let, let's all put ourselves out there where we're out there in the open. We've got, you know, 12, 13, 14,000 people watching us in a stadium 
and we're we're not sure whether our second serve is going to hit the racket or go in the court. I mean, you could, you know, and that's your elite. You're in a, you're a world class athlete. It's it, you know, you couldn't. Could you imagine it emotionally and mentally? It would be, uh, it'd be very daunting. So for her to handle that, come out of that, and then establish her game, win an Australia Open, Open, come back here in Brisbane, she got destroyed by Rabakina, who I thought was 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 probably my favourite. Um, but her and Sabalenka, and um, and to think she, you know, to think she turned that around and actually calmly defended a title. When you defend a title, sometimes all the extra stuff that you do around defending the title when you get there, the, the media, the conversations around it, you know, the comparisons to your game this year versus last year, all those things can sometimes dislodge a, a person. But, uh, you know, Savalenka took it on really calmly and enjoyed it. She's And she could see, she you can see she loves her time on the court now. Mm. Um, and she, she talks about it. And when you look at her navigating her way through, there was always going to be uh, we were always, weren't we? Our eyeballs were semi-final stage to Goff and Savalenka. We were hoping that was going to be the matchup, um, and it ended up being like that. It was a title. It was like a title fight. We were walking into that mm-hmm. night. There was no. It was a great, great buzz, and and we want that to continue that type of rivalry. Um, and with the other half just, you know, falling away like a stack of cards that you, know, you just didn't. Every day you, you were surprised by some of the results that were taking place, and, and that's courtesy of the strength of the women's game and like the depth. Um, you know, the fact that she took care of Coco comfortably, I mean, the first set was 7-6, but she did lead 5-2. Um, and so the fact that she actually was able to, to strangle that first set and then, and then get, and then push on in the second and then go through, she was always going to be favorite. And that's also not so, you know, is it the tag you want when you're an outright favorite, a clear favorite in a a final? Yeah, you'd want it. There's no argument about that. You'd, you'd definitely like to take that match up versus we're not sure. Um, but you've still got to then go, to go out and get the job done. And she did from the very first game. She stepped out there, established herself. And, and Zhang, it was a great tournament for her. But uh, there, was a, there was a class caliber differential there and, and a power um, output that, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't wrestle back. So, it was, mm. yeah, I thought her tournament was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think we both, you know, we both enjoyed watching her over the two weeks. Absolutely. It makes for an interesting top three at the top of the women's side of things with Igor Fiontech very much uh, the dominant force when it comes to uh, the French Open and uh, and the US Open alongside Coco Golf with the US Open and Arena Sabalenka now having won back-to-back Australian Open titles. Uh, Roger, but, you think, but you think she's the best player in the world currently because yeah. she's just, she's continually making, you know, semis, finals. So she's actually, you know, I think her consistency in the majors is the key. And so right now, you know, yes, it doesn't have, it has her at two, but you'd say probably right now she's, she's the most consistent player um, on the tour at the moment. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll see where it all falls out. As I let you go, Roger, um, Craig Tolley's suggestion to scrap the let call in terms yep. of trying to speed up matches and trying to get <laughs> earlier finishes. It's yep. just like the extra day we start a day earlier. Anyway, uh, would you be for it or against it? Uh I, I, the discussion's there because they're doing it in the juniors. They do it at American College Tennis, so it all happens. It'd be interesting to navigate the data through that. You know, it's a, it a situation of playing it at the bottom level, the ATP 250s, and for the 250s to be sort of, I guess, the uh, not the guinea pigs, but I, I guess, yeah, a place where we do try things, you know, that, that and see what see what that looks like. I, I'm not sure if I, like, you know, would you would you like losing or winning a match, or say losing a match where the ball hits the tape and it just bounces over dead. And that was, and after four hours, that's how it was completed. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not, I'm not sure if I like that style. I think, you know, it's, it's worth looking at. I think we need to innovate and Craig does a great job of that. Um, there's, but uh, I think we also need to look at other ways. We could also, um, 
you know, you know, quicken up the game as well. There's there's definitely some more areas that we can navigate. But uh, yeah, it's one it's one for thought, but it's already been in play. So be sure to see if that gets any traction at major level. It certainly will. Over a million fans through the turnstiles, and uh, it was another yeah. great <laughs> year of the Australian Open. It's just becoming such a massive event with the music, the. You're going to have to tell me what Padel is at some stage. We'll work our way through that. But the restaurants, the international fans, it was great to have it back in full flow after the COVID years. Um, Roger, thanks so much for your time. Um, I want to catch up with you when we're in Adelaide for Gather Round. I know you're a big Port Adelaide man, so I'm going to come and find you at some stage. Look forward to it.